Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Radiant Black Podcast. I'm your host, Bash, and we're here today to talk about the Massiverse. Well, not really. I'm joking. We're here to talk with one of the Massiverse creators, no one writer or co-writer, Brian Buccellato. But let me tell you what else he's done, because, my God, the list is, list is massive. This guy's done literally everything in comic books. He's written. He's edited. He's a, he's a colorist. He's done several things. He's worked for DC, Marvel, Image. He's written pretty much everyone you could imagine over at DC, and he's gotten some really excited, pro exciting projects coming up. Of course, you might have already heard of him before from things like Sons of the Devils, Foster, um, Flash, Batman, Injustice, the list goes on. But uh, upcoming, he's also doing Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Did I get the order right? Is that the right order? Yes, yes. Godzilla versus Kong, yes. Absolutely. So how are you doing today, Brian? Uh, You know feeling like i have a lot of things going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i bet two books yeah two books on the upcoming yeah. focs right yeah i'm, I'm also like uh during the day i am lead writer uh on this sort of interactive video game so my, my days are, are like i can't talk about what it is uh probably till after uh comic-con a new york comic-con but uh yeah okay. so i am spread thin in a good way <laughs> <laughs> it's like that first issue of midlife that we can't spoil like i thought that character your main character was like pushed to the brink in that and then the hits just keep coming like i'm i have to book an appointment with a therapist after that so i mean that's a good job <laughs> you, you nailed it you know what you can you know mild spoilers is no problem i mean like i don't think it's a book that's built on oh my god did that happen you know i, I think it's it's about a character about a person who's going through some stuff so i i have no problem with spoilers on that yeah, it's kind of funny that you're writing for Batman, and there was like we were talking about bat nipples and all uh, in that issue. Not to get too spoilery, but super relatable. It reminded me of like Marshall and Nathan, but uh, a lot more bitter, even though they were about the same age. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so obviously I'm uh, great friends with Kyle Higgins, um, but uh, one thing is we are not from the same generation. Uh, mm. I'm a Gen X, and he is uh, a millennial, so our references are kind of you know obviously there's tons of overlap, but like our core references are different. Like I was an adult when Power Rangers came out. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so like, I don't have, I don't know anything about them. I don't like, like, I know that like, you know, obviously it's a big sort of uh, core, like uh, fan base uh, that has been poured over to Radiant Black and all the great stuff he's doing. But I don't know shit about it. I just cursed. I don't know shit about it. <laughs> oh, you can curse. Uh, because I was an adult. Just like I was an adult when Little Mermaid came out. So, you know. <laughs> Over your, yeah, over your head. Uh, we're not Power Rangers fans either. We've always felt like the worst people for not knowing Power Rangers because everyone's written for Power Rangers, basically, except for you almost. So, I mean, that was great. You're talking about uh, interactive narrative. That'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, this game you're coming out with interactive narratives, but uh, it seems like you were pushing the boundaries already with no one. How was it incorporating a podcast in between comic issues? Um, well, I mean, we front loaded so much, like we, uh, worked on that, on the world and mapping out what was going to happen for, I want to say at least a year before we started writing a single comic page. Um, like it's super, super, you know, uh, complex, uh, with so many elements and so many characters and it's a mystery and we're, we're, we're you know, obviously ambition through the roof, you know, I mean, let, I'll let other people, you know, decide in terms of execution what they what you know how we did but like just in terms of effort like we tried to pack so much in there that like i don't even know how to answer that except to say you know it, it was a lot of fucking work uh in, in the best <laughs> way and the worst way 
And, you know, like we're, we're still in it. You know what I mean? We still have, you know, uh, almost half of the book to go. Um, issue six is, is the next one that's going to be out the door. And, uh, you know, while we have it all mapped out, like, you know, trying not to screw it up and stick the landing is going to be the big challenge uh, only because, you know, when you do something like that, it's, it's hard. Like there's a lot going on. Mm. Yeah. Um, I actually was wondering, yeah, like I know you and Kyle have been friends because I've, I've heard that from uh, some of your pre previous interviews, but I was wondering how did you guys uh, come up with writing no one? Cause I know in particular you, you like to write some of the darker stuff. So I feel like this is right up your alley. Yeah. So the, the, Genesis was uh, a pitch that Kyle had in with uh, DC that got very close to happening, which was going to be um, uh, a, a Jim Gordon and son, like serial killer uh, mystery thing uh, that he was going to do with Tim Sale. And that never happened. And I think he never sort of emotionally got over uh, just that creative, you know, when you create something like you own it, right. It's like a child on some level. Um, some are ugly children and some are beautiful children. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, I don't think he ever got over that desire to like, like live in that space. And so we had been talking for years about let's fucking just do something together. And um, so he had this idea uh, about how do we take that and turn it into something else. And so that just became a series of conversations and it moved further and further away from just the basic, you know, father, son, cop, serial killer, uh, team up to catch another killer and it turned into something that was about exploring you know how, how media affects uh everyday life how you know i mean there's just i don't even know how to explain it like there's the media aspect there's the the police i mean like to back up slightly the wire is is you know top three shows all time i put it number one you know i know that in mm. some ways dates me a little bit but um it's just what they did with um, the police department, the schools, the, you know, the, the politics, the newspaper, like telling a story that complex and that big that, that tries to tackle uh, a certain subject. I think that was, that was the aim. That was the, you know, that's what we're going for. And, and so, you know, um, that's why we decided to do it. And in, in some ways it's like, what were we thinking? Cause this shit is crazy. Um, but I feel like we're, we're doing it. You know, I feel like it's actually working. And then, Kyle and Kyle always has, you know, uh, I, what about this? What if we do a podcast and, you know, like get actors and I'm like, okay, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's, you know, let's write <laughs> these things. You know, um, I've done, I've, I've done some screenwriting. Um, and so, and, and, you know, we, both of our sort of writing base and creative base uh, comes from our love of, of film and wanting to be like screenwriters and filmmakers, directors, that sort of thing. So um, it just was a natural extension of, of how do we take this comic aspect and and do something crazy with it. And that was all from, you know, that was Kyle's idea. I just was like, yes, what did we get into? Yeah, definitely. Uh, no one's been like incredibly ambitious, even to cover it. You guys, it's so dense and it's like covering different aspects of media. And in a lot of ways, we're like the chimps in Space Odyssey looking up at the obelisk, just like not even understanding all the media and for you to tell a story and not just one, but two is at the same time is really impressive. Um, Bash, do you have more no one questions? Yeah. I, so I'm wondering, like, you know, you're both super accomplished writers in your own respect and you're both uh, like used to, you know, I, I'm not sure if you've co-written other things before, but I'm sure you probably guys have, but um, how do you guys break down the responsibilities between you and Kyle, for example, when you're approaching an issue of no one, like uh, do you guys both write dialogue or, you know, 
what is it like? Yeah, I mean, I have uh, quite a bit of experience uh, with co-writers. I've had uh, plenty over the years. My, my first, my break in comics was co-writing Flash with uh, Francis. So um, I feel like it's a skill. It's co-writing and collaborating is a skill unto itself. I feel like I have a lot of experience in that, and I feel like I'm actually uh, pretty good at that. So um, uh, that I think on one level made made it easy. Uh, being friends with Kyle made it easy. Kyle also has experience doing that. Uh, but in terms of like how it's executed, it's really about availability. It's like what has to be done when and who has the time and who uh, what is the best use of our particular skill set, you know. Hmm. And so that's kind of how we how we divvy up. There's no like there's no clear delineation, like except for like I'm never going to do like marketing stuff or any of like the the the, the sales type of stuff or you know like. It, that's just not me. Like, you know, I don't go nearly as many cons as he does. So, uh, you know, I have uh, young children. Um, I'm home all the time. Um, so I do most of my work just in, in my office uh, on the other side of the computer. But uh, uh, so, I, you know, and plus there's things like, you know, he has experience uh, with sound and sound design. So like, you know, uh, lean heavily on him for that. You know, um, I think, a lot of the early stuff and a lot of the building the mystery and all the dark shit, I think that plays to my strengths. I feel like that, uh, like building, building out the mystery and stuff uh, is something that interests me more than those other things. One. And I also think I'm pretty good at it. So I think in some ways that is a little more my forte. Um, not to say that he, he doesn't operate in those spaces as well, but I think, I think we learned a little bit more on with me on that. Um, and then just back and forth, you know, like I'll, I'll do a pass on something and, you know, he'll do a pass on something and, you know, generally we trust each other enough that, uh, yeah, no one's looking over anyone's shoulder. So, you know, it's hard yeah, to say there, at the end of the day, who did what. Was there anything like two bad shit in the same where Kyle was like, whoa, whoa, Brian, what, anything like that? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm fairly reasonable and, uh, I also, <laughs> I'm pretty good at defending, uh, my position. Um, so I think, you know, in cases where it's like he's not necessarily buying it, I'm like, you're not buying it because I'm not communicating it properly to you. But <laughs> let me try again, and I'll tell you why it works. You know what I mean? Things, things like that. Um, there were no big fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I'm a good, uh, I'm a good negotiator uh, for one. I also, you know, we, look, you have to have an ego to be a writer. Because within every writer is this belief that I have something that is worth the world hearing. Um, so we definitely both bring that to the table. Um, but I also feel like, you know, we are, we are reasonable. So, you know, when the disagreements come, they don't last that long. And, you know, whatever the outcome is on the other side, it, the project's better for it. So, yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to move on to, uh, to midlife? Sure. I, yeah, I, 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 before we, we do that, I just want to ask you one question. I've noticed you've done like several things. I think, did you, I, I, I just want to confirm this. You started out as a colorist, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I mean, uh, just to give my quick origin story. Uh, I am a high school and college dropout who, uh, you know, took the long road in life. And uh, I, I, uh, Screwed up my uh, financial aid uh, after miraculously getting into NYU in a backdoor method um, that I don't know is still available, but there was like for continuing education students who were over 20 meant for like old people going back to college, you just had to pass the test. So that's how I got in. 
Uh, of course, me being young and stupid, I screwed up my financial aid, couldn't go back. Working, I was working at a steel company in Long Island City. Uh, I grew up and I'm from New York. I live in L.A. now. Um, my brother uh, did things right. Uh, we both went to the High School of Art and Design. We both have art ability. Uh, he parlayed uh, High School of Art and Design into an internship at Marvel Comics in the 80s, uh, it, uh, into an assistant editorship. Uh, and then from there, uh, back in the day, uh, it was before computer coloring. And so there, so uh, color guides was a thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with how coloring happened, but there was like one Irish company that did all the color separations uh, for, for the comics. And I can't remember the name of them, but... Um, what, what they were provided with was a, a color guide. So they would print out a smaller version of each page and then using water, Dr. Martin's watercolors or markers, um, the colorist would then design the page, color it, and then they send it off to the separator who would try to interpret it. But of course, back then there was like, what, 88 colors and no gradients and, you know, uh, stuff like that. So that's when my brother started coloring comics. And so uh, once Photoshop... Uh, got to the point of uh, being viable uh, for comics, like Image was doing it. Um, my brother started a company to, to do colored, uh, coloring comics uh, digitally. And I think the first thing he did was like a Batman versus Spawn comic. And so he had this whole infrastructure. It, this was like 1994. He had this whole infrastructure and he knew that I had art ability and that I was sort of floundering in New York. So he's like, move to LA and I'll teach you how to color comic books. And that, that just set me on my sort of life path because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know I wanted to be a writer. I didn't know anything. You know, I just knew that, you know, I wasn't particularly happy. And so coloring comics, uh, obviously, it was a skill that I was able to to use my drawing ability and my, my background from high school uh, to learn under him. And then it afforded me the opportunity to go out on my own and start coloring comics on my own. Um, in the meantime, that sort of like, like, blew open the, the creative side of me that was always there, but didn't know how to apply. So, uh, so that's sort of how I got into writing, which was with an intermediate step of thinking I wanted to be an actor because when you love movies and you go out to LA, you know, you don't know how to make movies because you haven't been to college and no one's told you, you don't know what that is. So you're like, Oh, I gotta be an actor. So I, I did, uh, uh, I tried acting for a few years, maybe two or three years. Uh, always had the shaved head since I was uh, 21. So it was all gangbanger auditions. Um, <laughs> this was the nineties. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, I, I am half Puerto Rican and I, I used to be more tanned. So it was more obvious uh, that I was getting all the gangbanger auditions back in the nineties. Um, but I did, I did just enough like indie stuff to realize that I didn't want to be on that side of the camera. I didn't like manipulating my emotions. Like, like it was just a different thing, but I, I realized I wanted to make movies and that's why I started writing screenplays. And so basically I taught myself how to write uh, over the course of 10 years, writing terrible screenplays that got less terrible over the years. At some point, my, uh, my passion spent my skill and that's when writing opportunities started to happen. Uh, the whole time I'm supporting myself coloring comic books. And so the transition happened uh, through the good uh, graces of a very, another very close good friend of mine in comics, Francis Manipool. I was coloring his, uh, his stuff, you know, a flash and uh, back to top cow. And we were doing which blade together. That's when I met him. Uh, when the new 52 came around, he was, he was offered the book of flash to write and uh, uh, draw himself. And I was going to be his colorist because I was his colorist, uh, but he had never written anything. And he, he knew all, obviously all about my, my screenwriting background and the small successes I had and, and whatever. He knew enough to know that, that uh, I'd be good to partner with. And so he was like, would you write this with me? And that changed everything for me because I went from being, 
a guy who colors comic books who has screenplays that he's written that nobody will read because he's a comic book colorist to the writer of Flash. And so some a script I wrote in 2006 got me reps in like 2011, 2012. Um, and so that like, like that's the really the arc into writing and into everything I've done since. Um, and that's like probably a long short story, but that's pretty much my origin. Nice. That's, that's, that's really inspirational. As someone trying to get into writing myself, I mean, I feel like I've gone to it late and I feel like I haven't gotten into it since like, uh, Radiant Black was the impetus for that, right? Like Nathan being a character that's a writer and even hitting people that are in the rock bottom at 30 and then what you did with Midlife and having a character that's just feeling like hey, the hits just keep coming at 50 and making a change in life. That's uh, really inspirational. What what advice would you give to someone uh, trying to get into writing? Sure. I mean, take me as an example. And I'm not where I want to be, right? Like I want to be doing things even on a bigger scale. And, and you know, I, I, I did have a horror film that I wrote was produced and then an action film, but like, you know, low budget straight to, to streaming. Um, to me, that's like an intermediary step. Like I, I want to be able to, to, to play in those bigger fields, right? I want to create something meaningful. Like would I love to have midlife as a TV show? Hell yeah. Would I like to write it? Hell yeah. So like, I think the, the biggest thing is it's try not to look at what everyone who is your peer, who's above you has done and try not to take for granted everyone who's on, behind you and what they haven't done right because it's easy to say you know i have friends who are younger than me who's done this that and this right and then not look back and say well there's all these other people that haven't done what i've done right so i I think it's really about one appreciating what you've accomplished like truly taking the time to appreciate what you've accomplished right while never losing that desire to do more right because Mm -hmm. obviously the quickest way to fail is to give up right Everybody I knew who was my peer, who, you know, maybe two people have, had, had broken out my age. Everybody else quit. Like, I stayed going. You know what I mean? Like, raising my, raising my son, uh, you know, marriage, divorce, coloring a shit ton of comics, always writing in my spare time because that's what I wanted. And to this day, like, I still write, I write because I love it. Like, I get paid to write now, and that's freaking awesome. It's because I did all this other hard work to get there, and I didn't give up. Like, part of it is attrition. You know, like people will fall away and fall away. And so, you know, if you're older like me, like uh, when Flash number one came out, which is sort of, sort of my big break, right? Yeah. Uh, I was 40, 43, right? So I technically didn't get my break until 43. You yeah. know, like it, it's, it was, it's easy along the way to say, man, all these other people. And then there's younger people who are, who are leapfrogging me. But like everyone has their own journey and their own path. Like I didn't have enough to say about life when I was in my twenties to be successful. Like that's what it comes down to. I didn't have enough to say, like I, I, I loved writing and I, I felt like I had a skill, but I wasn't able to put things together in a way that I am now because I'm, I'm on this side of, of my life experience. Like, uh, you know, father's, you know, uh, son, father, you know, I'm an adult son. Now I, I've been through, I, I've loved, I've lost, you know, like all these things that make you who you are, like you're ready when you're ready. And so sure. like, 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 don't compare yourself. Just understand where you are on your own journey. Like that to me is the biggest thing. Understand where you are and appreciate it and don't fucking give up. Well said. Do you think that hunger is ever going to go away though? Like if you write like a blockbuster movie or like an Oscar winning, uh, yeah, I don't think so either. Right. I don't think, I think that's no. like a writer's curse. I will see every flaw me. in it. <laughs> and I'll know that I could do, I'll know in my heart, I could do it better. Whether, you know, like, you know, if, if 
at some point your mental capacity and your, your age, uh, you know, it starts to diminish, you know, and maybe you can't, but I think the idea that I can always achieve, you know, the platonic greatness, I mean, knowing you can't truly do that, but like, you know, that desire, uh, you know, I don't think it goes away. And if it goes away, then you're not a writer anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, anymore, yeah, I think it's, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. That was truly amazing, inspirational. And um, I think I, I, a lot of that, like, well, is a good segue because a lot of what you just said, I think translates into midlife, right? Like um, Ruben is a character who I think uh, shares a lot of the, uh, a lot of those, like in a lot of ways, I think he sees himself as a failure because of, of his limitations within his uh, job, within his, uh, I, it's really evident within the first few pages. And I think I said this immediately to to uh, Matt and everyone else on the podcast who Charlie and, and Addy, they weren't able to show up today, unfortunately. But I said immediately, I was like, when I read the first like two lines of dialogue, I knew this was going to be the good shit. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I knew this was going to be the good shit because it's written. It's like, you know, I, I just picked up... Um, chicken devil the other day just the first i have the first four issues so the volume one i just was reading mm -hmm. the first issue and I, I had the same feeling it's just like it, it's written in a very like i don't know like there's an on the dialogue is honest but it's also very captivating and it's fucking crazy like that is actually fucking crazy and it's like that's what it tells you in the very first page is like this is going to be a crazy fucking day so it's like i really love that like you have a very like um you have your own style and it's like fantastic because it, it's oh, thank you, you know i yeah, it always excites me. It's like you know when you like, it's like, like when you see like Tarantino, it's gonna be it's gonna be a Tarantino movie. You have like that excitement because you know what you're gonna be in for. And it's like now I, I feel like that way with some of your your indie books. It's like oh, it's gonna be a Puccellato book. Like I know it's it's gonna be fucking crazy. It's gonna be wild. Even if it's, it's your voice, right? Yep, exactly. So how did you come about that within midlife? Like what are the experiences that motivated that book? Well, I, I think Chicken I mean, that you that you brought up, brought up Chicken Devil is great because it was sort of a transitional book uh, for me. Um, I, I think one thing in, in like the, sort of in the industry when you're trying to break in like uh, in like film and television, like they want to put you in a box, right? You're the comedy guy, you're the thriller guy, you're the horror guy, right? And I never bought into that, right? I, I feel like if you understand the medium and you understand the genre, you can write anything. And obviously there's going to be degrees of success either way and some people are going to like fight, hit a groove in one and not the other but like i always felt like i can write whatever i could write a book i could write a comic book i can write a tv show i can write a film like you just need to understand what that container is right um so like i, I felt like i had this versatility and i think most writers do have this versatility if they're not afraid to venture outside their comfort zone right or what they're you know what's just that what's been established to them for me, I'd only really done two things, right? I did uh, superhero books for DC because that's where the opportunity came. And I love superheroes and it was incredibly fun and, and, and rewarding. And then when I had the opportunity to start doing uh, my own creator owned, I went dark because that was something that interested me, like like crime movies and and, and, and just that, that sort of dark seedy world. I think because I'm so square in real life, like it, I've always like really, really liked it. It, it. It's so alluring to me. And so I, I, I dove into that. Um, it, it's a much harder sell. Like in like, the script that got me reps was is like a crime a crime thriller, right? Uh, everyone really loved the script. Has never been made. Um, crime movies are hard to get made. They don't make a lot of money. And so the pivot for me was well, I'll do horror thriller because those get made and a lot of the same elements poured over. So that's how you got 
Uh, Sons of the Devil, it's how you got Foster on some level. It's a monster movie, creature feature. That's how you got Cannibal. It, it is that I, I was taking my love for the stark uh, crime stuff and pushing it into these other genres. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm proud of all that work that I did. You know, like I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But there's also another side to my personality, which is sort of the, the sillier, like the goofy, but like extreme side, like like Tarantino, sure. Like, I mean, obviously I'm influenced by Tarantino on some level, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I love his film, like he's a fucking genius, you know? Um, but like the, the ability to like be funny uh, in, in a book and, and super violent or, you know, silly, um, absurd, like all those things, like are all things that are part of my natural character that I, I had never really done in a comic. I think the closest I got was I did an annual in DC, it was a, a flash annual where it, new, it was the new 52 origin story of uh, uh, Green Lantern uh, and Flash's uh, friendship. Hmm. And so like track it down if you, if you, if you can, because really the only thing that it was like humorous, it's like a super silly adventure. They go on, they get involved in like this big, like war world kind of fight. And, and, and they're totally, it's totally like, you know, like I played it up for, for humor and stuff like that. Um, and I always felt like, I've never really done that in comics. So uh, after being away from comics uh, for a while, because in 2016, I got into the universal uh, feature writers program, which is like this paid uh, program to write, to write scripts, you know, and learn like studio development at universal. Mm-hmm. I was forced to like uh, walk away from comics on some level. And then emotionally I was like, well, I'm a, I'm a screenwriter now. So I stopped doing comics by and large. And uh, so I feel like I lost a lot of the connection that I had with fans and things like that. So, uh, coming back to comics, you know, years later, because you can only write so many things, whether you're paid or not. And sometimes I've been paid and most of the time you're not paid to write things and develop things. There's only so many things you can write that nobody ever fucking sees or experiences where you're like, this sucks. And so comics, even if you only have 5,000 fans, 5,000 people picking it up, you know, 10,000, unfortunately the economics, you never know how long a series is going to run because of those economics. But if somebody's reading it, somebody's get to, getting to experience and share in what you're creating. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta go back to that. And uh, uh, Mike Martz is somebody I knew from, you know, from uh, DC uh, who was my, our, our bat editor uh, for a little while. Um, uh, Francis and I, when, when we did detective comics and we'd always been talking about like, Hey, you want to pitch something, you want to pitch something. And I had written um, chicken devil as a half hour uh, sort of like, it was my version of Barry. Basically. I was like, so into Barry at the time. I was like, I want to do my Barry. And so it's like, okay, uh, the concept is what would Brian do if uh, he is, his partner got involved with the mob and the mob blew up his family? How would he get revenge? I got no special skills. You know what I mean? I, I'm not an army ranger. I'm not an assassin. I'm just a dude, you know? So in the case of chicken Dale, he's a dude who makes really good chicken. So he fails upwards and it's like this absurd sort of revenge tale. Right. Um, I wrote it as this half hour. My reps at the time didn't want to send it out. because they're like, that's not you. Like you're the hour guy, you're the this guy, you're that guy, and so they basically just like, you know, want nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, I'm no longer with those reps. I've I've had this idea. I, I said, hey, Mike, I've got this script. I would love to do this in some format. He read it and he's like, let's do it. So then I was like, wow, I got to write like sort of me. It's like the most me thing that I'd ever written, just like overtly me, like a guy who's in over his head, a guy who is my age, a guy who you know sometimes feels put upon because he has a family and responsibilities and, and gets in over his head. Like, so that's what chicken devil was. Uh, 
So for me, midlife going, uh, being an image, like I have full ownership. I don't control the destiny of Chicken Devil because I co-own it with Aftershock. Mm. That's the deal we made. That's just the way it is. I want something that is also me that I control fully. And so mm. I was like, that's what I got to do. I got I to gotta, I gotta take the essence of Chicken Devil and myself and come up with a new concept. And so, uh, you know, thinking along those lines and looking at Radiant Black, which, you know, Kyle sometimes, you know, it's kind of like him as a superhero, like, you know, the millennials superhero. I'm like, what is the Gen X superhero look like? And, and that's literally from there. It was like, okay, midlife crisis, 50 years old. Imagine becoming a hero at 50 when you have all these other things. And so this just spun into the story that we're seeing, we see now, which is Ruben, a guy who is a 25 year veteran of the LAFD who's afraid of fire, you know, like, like that mm. to me is an interesting entry point. And, 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 you know, his dad was the legacy firefighter who died in the line and so, like, he felt like he had fulfilled this legacy, but yet he was afraid of fire. And then when he finds out that, uh, spoiler, when he finds out that his, his new wife is uh, pregnant and he's going to be a, a dad again at 50, it's like the shame drives him to be heroic. And then he finds out what he's got powers. He's fireproof. And so to me, like, that was a, a great setup for, for following, you know, through on this idea of what would, you know, how would Brian be hero? Like, how, how would Brian get revenge? How, you know, like you write what you know, you write your life experience. So Ruben is not me. I mean, you know, he's half Puerto Rican like me, but he's also half Chinese because my brother-in-law is a firefighter and is Chinese. So that's how I match those two together. So, and, and he happened to have a kid at 48. So like, like there were just so many things swirling in my life that like it, it, it all came together and coalesced uh, as like this one idea that, you know, uh, I, I feel like it's, it sounds weird and almost arrogant. I feel like it's an undeniable idea. I don't think that's arrogant. I think that's accurate as to what I read because there was so much weight in that. Just mentioning, you know, the bomb of having a baby at 50. But like a lot of times we see people becoming superheroes and like you and they were 18 or younger or whatever. But with all the weight, like you have an ex-wife, you have to you talk to your son and try not to, you know, like it's the difficulty of divorce, juggling all that stuff. Like I'm stressed just reading it. Like it was it was really well done. Like I, you know, you're not overselling it. Um, I had Charlie asked a question who couldn't be here today. He says, um, that he was curious about um, how midlife could connect with the younger generation, uh, even though the main character is 50. How do you think this is going to appeal to younger readers? I mean, the hope is that there's a a universe, a universality, universal, uh, whatever, universality uh, to the concept of uh, unfulfilled dreams, uh, feeling like a failure. Like the old people don't own that. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) like we've all felt versions of that, like in, in, you know, every stage of our life. You know, like uh, for many people, it's like, oh, look, you know, look how smart this child is. What a prodigy. Your parents tell you how great and smart you are. And then when you hit the real world and, and life doesn't fucking hand you all the gold and silver and everything you wanted, you're like, wait, what happened? You know, like uh, I thought I was special. I thought I was, you know, this freaking genius kid. Um, and so, you, you know, no matter what stage you're in, I think you're, you deal with sort of the regret of not trying harder or uh, you know, of letting time pass you by. So I think there is a, a universal appeal uh, to him, even though he's older. And then there's also, you know, there's younger characters within the, uh, you know, within the story. Like, I, I feel like the sort of, uh, you know, his, his son is, is like the, what I call the red kryptonite version of my son. Like <laughs> he's, my son is not as big a dick as <laughs> Ruben's son. Uh, and then I had young daughters like, like Emma, like, like the, the conversation that Emma has, uh, with Ruben in the car is literally a verbatim a conversation that I had with uh, my daughter Sophia. 
Like I just wrote it down immediately when, when we had this conversation in the car, because I was like, there's some things that are just so real that like, I couldn't, I couldn't have tried to write a version that felt as real as, as what that ended up being. So, so authentic. It's like peeled right out of life. It's a real conversation. It felt like that. And also with reaching younger readers, like the first page, I'm like, even if you can't like relate to it now, oh, you will. That's not a threat. But like the conversation about, uh, you know, they're seeing Batman Returns or uh, Batman and Robin. And it's just, um, it's it's so real. And that could be a conversation right now. Like there's been superhero movies that I've seen. I'm like, okay, that's got to be it. You're talking about superhero fatigue. Like, it shows that the more things change, the more they do stay the same. And Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially like like the Sean character is like a a weird version of of a Malcolm or friends I've had. Uh, And the whole idea of like, you know, we're never going to get a superhero movie because they ruined it. Like, I mean, you know, that that plays today. Um, I wanted to ask a question about the title. So there's like there's like the title, right, which is midlife and there's like or how to hero at 50. Um, so I, I really like the title. I find it charming. It's like, how did you come up with that? And like, why, why is there like two versions? I, I mean, I know I, I kind of get why, but like, I, I would like you to talk about it if that's okay. So it actually, to, to loop uh, Kyle back in, um, it originally was just, I think it was just called uh, How to Hero at 50. And he felt like it wasn't like uh, a catchy enough name. So he's like, call it Midlife. I was like, that's a great name. I'm going to call it Midlife. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't just want to call it midlife. And so I basically mashed the two together. So that's how we, that's how we got the name. That's awesome. <laughs> Kyle's Kyle somehow he's always there somehow, I guess. Power Rangers. Yeah, but I mean, but think about it, like like that that's that's sort of one of the strengths of Kyle, right? Is 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 mm-hmm. is his ability to see the to see like a clear, like punchy uh way to 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 describe or to you know illustrate or visualize something. Like that's a, a skill. You know, like I never would have come up with with the name midlife on my own, but the or how to hear at fifty in parentheses, yeah, that's that's definitely me. Yeah, <laughs> you can't Both teach stuff like that. Yeah. Midlife works too because you're like in between two worlds, right? You're like in the middle of two lives of a superhero, and that like it works really well. Yeah, and uh, yeah. there is you know in success there it does open up, right? It's a very s- small personal story right now, but there's reasons why he has power and in success, uh, if I'm allowed to, to, to go down this journey and take it to its, its sort of conclusion, like it, like the world will get bigger and you, and you'll find out why, you know, the whys of it all and the connections, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, it's more important to find, to, to, to live in that space of who he is emotionally, because, you know, we all know that the, the greatest comics and, and stuff and action movies or whatever, it's not the punching. It's what happens between the punches that, that makes something resonate and makes us truly love something. Yeah. Well said. And that go, that's FOC next Monday, right? Uh, for midlife. Next Monday. Good. Yeah. It's, it's coming up. Uh, and then a week after that is the FOC for uh, the, uh, uh, the justice league uh, Godzilla uh, Kong. So I, I got two books coming out in October number ones. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm I'm I can't wait to get midlife in my hands. I did thank you. Well, thanks to you, I did get a chance to read issue one and two, and I really loved it. I mean, issue one sold me, but then issue two was like, dude, <laughs> like it was really good. Like, you know what I mean? It was like the perfect, uh, you know. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Make sure everyone that you pre-order it. It's uh, fantastic, and the creative team on the book is just elite. I mean, you've got you, you got Stefano, and you've got Hassan. Like those are three incredible creators. Like you really can't go wrong. And I've noticed that you have like you have a 
you have this like uh you do get a lot of really good creative teams wherever you go like the even for uh chicken devil was it hayden sherman and hassan as well yeah, yeah. so it, the thing about about hayden was um i was looking for an artist for a project and um Christian Ward, who I was doing this legendary graphic novel with called Headwounds that was like Oscar Isaac's uh, uh, sort of, uh, he shepherded it and, and uh, you know, so basically I was hired to, to execute uh, this uh, crime noir uh, graphic novel for legendary um, and Christian Ward was the artist. And, and so I was asking if he had any, any you know, uh, anybody, he knew anybody that, that could draw for this one project that never happened. But then when Chicken Devil happened, um, we hired one artist that I had high hopes for, but he had never done comics and he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't do it. And so uh, then Mike Marks came back and said, Hey, what about Hayden Sherman? And, and I was like, absolutely 100% yes. Like that guy, uber talented, very specific and, and fits so well. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't able to do a volume two because of commitments uh, but we did get uh, Matea uh, Monaco, who's also great and does his own version uh, of all the characters. Really great. Uh, Stefano was somebody that uh, that Kyle connected me to. So um, you never know how you're going to get connected with people. But like you know, all three of them super freaking talented. Like like I, I don't know that I have I ever have notes except for you know super minor stuff. Like they're good. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of my last questions is, uh, how did you, like, um, I know you, you've worked for DC for a while and you've pretty much done everything, especially with like some of the bigger characters. So is this like uh, Justice League, Godzilla Kong, is this something that you, like just fell into your lap or something you've been trying to do for a while? Like, how did that come about? It's not something I was, so it came basically between relationships between Robert Napton, who uh, runs the comic side on Legendary and Ben Abernathy at DC. Um, I don't know who proposed it first, um, <clears throat> Legendary and DC used to be in the same building in Burbank. They're not anymore. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, at some point the two of them got together and were like, we should do this team up. And so, um, of course I had done work, uh, for DC, but I also done a bunch of things for, for Legendary and, and Robert. I've known Robert for a long time. So the character Robert in, uh, Midlife was named after Robert. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw many movies with him in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> He was not the complainer um, <laughs> in that case. Uh, but uh, so, you know, relationships, right? So, so uh, uh, I know him very well. And uh, I had done the Head Wounds book. I had done some like Lost in Space stuff for him. I, I, I did like Pokemon adaptation, like Detective Pokemon. And I was doing, uh, just starting on a, a graphic novel, the, the King Kong graphic novel or Kong, sorry. The Kong graphic novel that goes between uh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong and the new one coming out, and so I was already in the in the space in in the mind space, um, and so uh, Robert, to to his credit, uh, brought me up as as a a choice. What about him? You know, he's he's done both those things, and we, you know, I like his work, and and Ben, uh, thankfully, so it was like, yeah, let's let's uh, let's go with that. So uh, it it came to me, and of course, it was just a matter of me going, uh, yes, would I like to write? Godzilla and Kong going as just like yes, <laughs> that's awesome. So my my contribution was it was a six issue series, and I said, can I get an extra issue? That was my big 
but because the story just it gets so big and even though we have 30 pages per issue like the story's just too big i was like can i get one more issue and so to their to their credit they were like sure and also let me just show you this too though like you know yeah i've got kong here right like so, yeah. so i've got kong here on this side this is the original 1933 poster that's all the that? oh, oh my god that's, that's francis uh that's francis's art from what was supposed to be the cover to uh new 52 issue three but mm. um the uh editor-in-chief at the time did not like it <laughs> oh, I, I, I so did I have the only copy. Run. Yeah, <laughs> great run you, just, you guys did. You just yeah. crossed your arms and crossed up is going. That's great. <laughs> right. I guess just to have you collide. Just being a big DC fan, I do have like your your Flash run, and I did love it. And I, I I'm a big Flash fan as well. I my question is, you because I, I had to ask. I'm sorry. You've written pretty much all the big guys at DC. So it, is there anybody that you'd want to uh, write a DC book for in the future that you haven't? That's always hard. Um, I, th I think, uh, you know, I would like to take a smaller character at some point. Um, I know it's, it's been done to death. Like for years, I was like, I wish I could do like a young super Superman, like Smallville levels, not quite Superboy, not quite Superman and, and do and do that. Um, I think I think beyond that, uh, like. Sure, like there's guys like Lobo and really interesting. Anything that would allow me to do something kind of offbeat and zany, uh, Lobo. Um, I'm not sure, man. Like, I've got. I mean, I've gotten to write a lot of the characters because of Injustice, right? Like, <clears throat> and Injustice, you know, at least the ones that Tom hadn't already killed. Uh, that's how <laughs> I got on there. So, and what about Marvel? Would you ever want to do work for Marvel again anytime soon? I mean, I've never written for Marvel. I don't have any relationships over there. Um, uh, I, I grew up more of a Marvel fan, like X-Men, Chris Claremont, mm -hmm. uh, John Byrne, uh, you know, uh, Daredevil, Frank Miller, Simonson, Thor. Like, that was all my stuff. And then on the DC side, it was like, Frank, you know, when Frank Miller did Batman, uh, Alien, uh, there was one called, uh, was it Alien Legion that they did? No, it was epic. There was a few. There was a few things at DC that I that I, I uh, that I read, but, but I read way more Marvel stuff. Um, my only issue with that is that I, I don't know any of the the Marvel continuity. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. I don't. You know, like I, I don't think they're knocking down my door to invite me to to write any of their characters. Uh, um, but you know, yeah, the X Men. You know, if I had to choose one thing, it'd probably be X Men. If I had to, second one, would probably be Daredevil. Awesome. That's yeah. great. If you do, if you didn't know the title at DC, I mean, I do think you could give us like the definitive Condiment King run. Like that would be something that I would just have to get every issue of. But like a Lobo for you would be <laughs> freaking sick. Um, I had to mention yeah, Condiment King. I, I would love to do the Rogues. I, I know that there was a recent uh, Rogue mm. series. It was a Tom King, oh, or, Tom yeah. King or was it, or... Uh, it Joshua Williamson? Josh, Josh Williamson. Right. Yeah, he did have yeah. a long run on Flash. It was, it was really good. But for a while, good. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I, I don't read nearly as many comics as I probably should. Just because mm. I'm spread thin to circulate all the way back. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so we can expect maybe a big announcement from you. I, I'm interested in this video game. Like, I'm playing through the Mortal Kombat game right now, and the story is so good. Like, video game writer almost gets like a bad rap, but the stories in video games have been so revolutionary these last like five, six, seven years. Like since the PS3, they've just been like amazing. So I'm really interested there. Um, I do have to ask, uh, what kind of Godzilla are we looking at? Probably not Shin Godzilla, just kind of like the standard Godzilla. We're going to see anything uh, out of school. So, so the, the, these are all legendary monsterverse. 
Okay. So like, if you think of it in terms of licensing, like it's it's a deal made between Legendary and um, and and DC. So we don't we don't this go around. We didn't get to use all the characters because contractually we just were not allowed to use all, all the characters. But you know, in success, I'm hoping there's a sequel and and we can get some of the other characters we didn't get to uh, to bring in the the monsters because there's there's a bunch of monsters in Legendary you mm-hmm. know, has their own complement. Uh, there, there's ones from the movie, so so like it's not just Kong and Godzilla, you know. Like uh, there's a, quite a number, you know. Uh, to give you yeah. one spoiler, I'll give you one spoiler for for that. Um, big battle at the end. It's really hard to put uh, little tiny guys against giant monsters. So Jim Lee did uh, a a drawing of like a bat mech, not knowing yeah. that there is going to be a version of that in the story. Um, because maybe it's just such a natural fit, right? That he, that Batman's going to build a giant fucking mech, you know, Um, (laughs) in, in our story, um, basically Batman gets the help of cyborg and the flash, which is how he's able to build it so fast. Um, and so basically like to get deep into it, uh, cyborg is sort of controls the, all the, like the, the, you know, the, the components and the systems Batman operates it and it is powered by flash running on a, a treadmill, basically. Jeez, that's awesome. So, I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait. wait. Yeah. yeah, I've already like yeah. pre-ordered it. Sec- one more spoiler. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Five gr- Green Lanterns are going to form a uh, Voltron okay. construct. Uh, oh, I, oh, shit. Okay. I, th- I think you just sold a few more people on the book right there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Come like on. a few. Yep, there it's you funny. go. It's like a perfect marriage because there was the memes when Batman or Superman came out. There's like the Kong meme of like save Mothra and stuff like that. So really, these universes have been meaning to collide for a long time and there couldn't be a better writer to do it. I think you're going to not like, okay. I can't wait. And for, for yeah, DC really fans who, who think that Justice League can just walk over the monsters, you're wrong. Oh, yeah. You're wrong. They are enormous and they are very powerful and Godzilla is the king of the monsters. So like... Don't think that the Justice League is just going to go in there and see, and you know, you know muscle their way through because that's not going to happen. So. That's okay. awesome. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I can't wait. Okay. Well, I guess, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, that's pretty much it for my questions. But I just want to say I've been really enjoying No One. It's been a really, really good book. Um, I really like th- there are a lot of elements of things that I just never seen before in a comic book. And it really brings the experience all together and makes it something truly special. You guys have been killing it. Midlife is so cool. I can't wait. I, I've, I've recommended it to literally everybody I know. So guys, make sure you pre-ordered it. Yeah, check out Midlife number one or How to Hero at 50. Um, it's on FOC right now. And it's uh, the FOC is Monday, uh, Monday, September 18th. So you got like three more days to pre-order it. Get it, you know, get it cheaper than cover price. Make sure you save some money and check it out. And then trust me, you will add it to your pull list because it's excellent. I can't yes. wait. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there's a, also a really cool incentive cover, I think, a 110 incentive cover. So if you're one in 10. Yeah, I'm not doing all the cover stuff. There's just one, one, yeah. uh, one, one B cover for the first issue. I'm going very old school. Like, we've got one cover per issue. Like, I'm, uh, dude, like trust me, that's I don't have awesome. the bandwidth. To, yeah. I don't have the bandwidth to play in those fields anyway. <laughs> so, you know, whether, you know, it's negatively impacted sales-wise, I guess I have me to blame. Variant covers in this economy? I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm, I'm, I for one, I'm grateful. So thank you for that. I can't wait. Also, the um, variant, the variant is an homage to Flash number one. 
Yep. Have you seen I, it? I, 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 yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm, I wasn't 100% sure, but I'm glad now that you mentioned oh. it. Yes, so it's yeah. an excellent variant. It's an amazing uh, cover. And it's actually like you see him wearing the costume, the costume that he's going to wear inside the book. So I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, yeah, I can't recommend this book enough. And Chicken Devil, I just read the first issue. Can't wait to finish it, but I've, I can already tell I'm going to like it. So that's awesome. Check that out as well if you haven't. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, Brian. Anything you yeah, want to add? Sure, man. Uh, volume two of Chicken Devil. We have one more issue to go. Uh, those who know comics know that Aftershock uh, ha- is going through some you know structural things. Uh, when that's uh, all settled, which I feel pretty confident it will be settled, uh, we will get f- issue five uh, to finish uh, Chicken Devils, which is the sequel uh, to it. So uh, beyond that, like thanks, you know, thanks for supporting. And um, I had one question for you, Bashar. Um, hmm. Do you okay? Do you have any opinions on who no one is, and do you have any opinions on who uh, whether or not um, Aaron is the accountability accountability killer or not? Okay, so honestly, I've I've only read like, I've read every issue twice only, and that's like very little for me. And it's like <laughs> there's a reason we haven't been reviewing the the series yet is because there's just so much to take in every issue. So, dude, I have no fucking clue, honestly. Like, you guys have got me, like, I'm, I'm way deep in it. You know what I mean? Like, I genuinely have no idea who the killer is. Like, every time I think I know something, then you guys kind of throw me for a loop. Especially, like, the last, is it which issue four or five? No, issue four was the last one. Uh, five, right? was, five, five, five was the last one. I think five was the last one. Okay. It's because the delays, like, threw me out. Okay. So, five was like, issue yeah, five. Yeah, sorry. Right? No, I mean, I mean, it's all cool. We get it. But it's like, that's why my, my thing is messed up. But. The, the issue five had some revelations that also, but all I think is, I don't think, like I've said this before, I don't think no one's one person. Like the person under the hood mm-hmm. might be one person, but I think they're working with multiple people because it, it just, it just, I don't know, it's too much. <laughs> like otherwise it's, because I, I, like you guys, you one thing I want to praise real quick is you guys have compared the, or not, we've compared this to like, I know in a lot of ways, you, I'm glad you mentioned Tim Sale earlier because we've compared this to Long Halloween in the way that it's like uh, written to be so like tense. There's just so many clues at the same time. There's a lot of subtlety, but there's also so much going on in every issue. Like there's so much to unpack. So it's like you guys did an excellent job in terms of like honoring Tim Sale's legacy, like in my opinion, in that respect. And it's it is a really good mystery. No, no thank you guys. And it's a really good mystery. So it's like, I don't know, every time... Every time I think I know something, we don't. And if there's anyone who's actually going to know something, it's that guy, Tyler, on Discord, because he he knows everything. He's, like, on top of this shit. Like, he's got, like, the, the charts and everything. Term, yeah. But, yeah, but I honestly, I, we, we've been – we've actually been – like, we've been talking about this behind the scenes on how, like, we, we genuinely stumped when it comes to this. But the only, the only thing I know is – I think I know is that, like, I don't think it's one person because there's Fair just enough. so much going on. Yeah. But what was your second question? Do you th- do you do I think the oh, accountability? Do, yeah. Do you do you think uh, Aaron Kern uh, is is guilty of being the accountability accountability killer? Because I know that that is a question that people uh, usually take one side or the other on. In terms of like because because he like started the movement, is that like the idea behind that question? Well, the, the idea being that he was arrested, he uh, confessed, mm-hmm. and now he now he's saying oh. he didn't do it. And he's out. I, I think Aaron's like not crazy. It just he doesn't like strike me as a crazy person. And there there's enough evidence to suggest that like there was some fuckery afoot, like when when no one was there capturing him. So yeah, I think like Aaron's being I don't think he's the accountability killer because 
there's nothing at least at least based on like the evidence that's currently uh available within the story there's nothing that directly links him because i if i remember correctly they said they saw no one at the scene and he was wasn't he the one that like found him and he's then, the one who and, caught he's the one yeah. who, who caught him yeah yeah, yeah yeah he's the one who caught him so it's like it's kind of just like his word against like you know everyone else's and did i don't even know if no one actually directly blame him so yeah, I don't think I don't think Aaron's the accountability murderer. I think there's more to this shit. <laughs> all right, that's all. There's I definitely think. more to this shit. That is a true statement. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I think. But I really. And my greatest fear is that we, we miss something. That's my greatest fear is that when all is said and done, there's like one little thread that like Tyler on Discord pulls. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no, I, I mean that's what I thought at first when there were the files about uh, like the tests on the the young. Like there was, I can't remember specifically. Sorry, see, there's so much shit. That's what I mean. There's so yeah, much. Like, yeah. Yeah, there, there were tests on somebody and and something like that. So that, that was what we thought at first. We're like, okay, is that like, is that like a very early lead? But then it's like, then the newer evidence kind of throws that like completely out of loop and makes us think something completely different. But uh, I, I just want to praise another thing is how you guys have um, made like interactive experiences for pretty much every issue. Like we got the video clips and everything. You, people who sure. are invested in this series are like super, super into it. Cause it's super well, like I, I'm glad you mentioned the wire because that is how I would compare it to like the wire. It, it is so well written. And it like, I think this is one thing that's going to be appreciated more as more readers pick it up and trade and, and everything later sure. on. Cause I don't think some, yeah, some people have really grasped like what's being done with this series, you know? That's a little of arrogance that Carl and I have that we think that the two of us in like a year and a half could uh, do our version of the wire. Like that's, you know, that's <laughs> ego unchecked right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are doing a great job, honestly. I, I, I've never seen like the server spur up as much discussion as it does with the no one issues. Even even when it comes to Radiant Black, like the only time Radiant Black even comes close to that level of discussion is when there's like an existence issue because people are just trying to like speculate sure. what happens, but. But with no one, you've got like I, I compared it to like ARG uh, like gaming events where it's like an entire community sure. comes together to solve something, and it's like it's the same way here. It's like all these people who don't know each other are just coming together to like you know work yeah. as one and be like we need to we need to figure this shit out. You know what I mean? We need to figure this shit out, and someone needs to figure it out soon too. But uh, yeah, the the thing that you guys should be patting yourselves on the back for is like it doesn't seem like there's a solid lead right now within the community. Like the everyone's choices are so splintered, which means you guys are doing a really good job of of uh, of you know of writing the mystery itself. So yeah, that's it. That's the attempt, right? By design, like you're saying, this happens, but then I, this happens, and I'm wondering, and it's like that, those are all the moves that we're trying. So the fact yeah. the fact that any of them are working like like I'm over the moon that like yeah. these things that I thought would work they're working on some level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing Bash mentioned is like you have a soundtrack to go with the first issue of Midlife too, of like the Wait, playlist there, or whatever. I, he, so we were talking once, and I was bringing up the music <laughs> oh. that you had because he the song is amazing. That's one of my favorite songs. I forget what it's called, but I played it like a million times. It's the you know don't you, the, the, don't you forget about, forget forget about, about me. me. Yeah. 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 So that that song is amazing, and it's like once you, it's one, it's something like I knew from from growing up watching like Brad Pack movies and shit like that, right? But it's like once he, uh, once I reread re Midlife, it's something that I hadn't like connected with in years. So it's like I started playing that a lot more, and I'm like, dude. And then I messaged him, and I told him like I've been playing that, and he's like, he has a playlist that he uses. So I was like wondering, what is that? Oh, let me, uh, let's see if I can let me pull it up real quick. Um, what songs are on, were on my? 
and, and it really was born out of me trying to figure out what, you know, like having a conversation with myself of what is the Gen X anthem and doing like research online, what other people say it is. Um, mm. All right. So uh, don't you forget about me. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. R.E.M. Uh, smells like teen spirit referenced in the book. Um, ordinary world, Duran Duran. Uh, head like a hole, nine inch nails. Uh, no rain, blind melon. Uh, everybody wants to rule the world. Tears for fears. Uh, and then it gets a little uh, 1999 by uh, uh, Prince. Um, and then uh, how soon is now by the Smiths. And I threw one in there that uh, uh, it was just for my own listening enjoyment. It really isn't. It's Jolene. Dolly Parton is Jolene, but that's <laughs> not really wrong there. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. So guys, sure. I can't recommend that enough. Check out these upcoming books. Check out Chicken Devil because it's fucking crazy. Like, I seriously, who's writing a book like that? Like, who? Where can you point to a book that's called Chicken Devil? Shit's scary. I, it's also like one of those covers that when you see it at the comic book store, it's really hard to pass up because it looks so interesting. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it, it, like you guys reference Breaking Bad a few times in the in the in the comic. It's like Breaking Bad. It's like the sure. first time I saw Breaking Bad. It's like it's so interesting. It was like hard to like pass it up. So. Yeah, it's a super meta reference, right? Like, like it's super meta. Uh, that, you know, that's like you know, taking that idea and it's like, how do I, how do I spin this in a way that people will find entertaining? My, my only um, contribution to the covers it was uh, asking Hayden to do them all primary, like backgrounds that are bold, primary colors that stand out. Yeah, they look amazing, really. Yeah, especially with the costume, like it really st- it stands out in the cover. It looks really cool, and the the colors are perfectly on point, so it really adds yeah, to the. Yeah, so know, good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, well, thank you so much. Uh, I, do you have yeah, any man. other questions? Thanks for having me. No, that was it for me. I just had a shitty joke. I was just going to yeah. say, like, it would have been so hard <laughs> if you did no one. Well, and here I go with it. Uh, in the 1960s, it'd be crazy if you dropped no one. It just came with like a record. You could just like slide the comic out of the record book, and then boom, you just listen to the thing. I think that'd be pretty cool. Anyways, yeah, thanks for, for being sure. here. I, I've never talked to anyone connected to all those amazing <laughs> characters like that, and let alone mm-hmm. you know your own indies like third your third image book like goddamn hope that aftershock stuff works out and i uh, didn't expect the pep talk either i'm motivated i'm you know i'm gonna feel <laughs> extra bad blowing up writing now well, uh, you, you know my, my experience should be worth something right <laughs> oh, of course yeah well thank you so much uh, for joining us today brian i really appreciate your time and yeah thank guys you. look for the interview great. check out his books so many books to look forward to so many unique books as well and trust me, you haven't read something like Midlife. So check that out. On FOC Monday, get your pre-orders in. Don't fuck up. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Stay radiant, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.